1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, as I am taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen may be seated. And if you would, as you're being seated, turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. A few Sunday mornings ago, we began a new series entitled, Taking Action Today for a Better Tomorrow. And God is good. And he loves you. He's for you. He wants you to have a better tomorrow. But we have to take action. We have to do our, por- our part. And as we've learned, faith is a starting point. Faith is, in fact, The starting point. Faith is fundamental. It is essential. It is the foundation of building a successful life. But faith is not all there is to building a successful life. Action is required. Smile at your neighbor and say, action. Action. Smile at your other neighbor and say, action. And so we've got to take responsibility for our lives and be willing to take action. We've got to be willing to eliminate the wrong actions We've got to be willing to make the right actions and over time to increase those right actions. Now, last Sunday in our message, which was entitled 10 Common Traits of Successful People, point number 10 was on integrity. Tell tell your other neighbor, smile at them, say integrity. And this has everything to do with walking in the blessing of the Lord. Integrity, integrity, integrity. And today we're going to deal with integrity. If you want God to bless your life, if you want to rise higher over time, if you want God to bless you and increase you and trust you with more, integrity is required. Number one, the New Testament teaches us to shun, to avoid, to have nothing to do with swindlers. You're like, what's a swindler? I'm going to have to Google that real quick. People who take advantage of other people, people who rob and cheat and steal from other people. Number one, the New Testament teaches us to shun swindlers. Now, when we come to the New Testament letters, to the epistles, like 1 Corinthians, these are written to believers. So Paul here is not writing to unsaved people. He's not writing to worldly people. He's not writing to people that don't know the Lord. Of course, we expect that out there in the world there is lying, there is cheating, there is stealing. Out there in the world, there are people that are not doing right by each other, taking advantage of each other. But those things ought not be going on in the body of Christ. Those things ought not be going on amongst Christian people. Brothers and sisters in Christ shouldn't be doing those things to one another. 1 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 9. This is the Apostle Paul writing. I have written you in my letter not to associate what does that mean? Not to, not to hang out with, not to fellowship with, not to be with all the time, not to associate with sexually immoral people. And of course, that was an issue in Corinth. Corinth was a metropolitan city. Many people that had been saved and were a part of the church, they had come out of immoral backgrounds. Corinth was a center of prostitution in those days. Many women in the church had come out of 
that lifestyle had been saved and set free, yet if you read all of 1 Corinthians, you'll find out that there was immorality going on in the church. And not only was it going on, but people weren't even ashamed of it. They weren't even blushing about it. And they had not enacted church discipline. So he writes, I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. You know, if I drive through this week and get a coffee, I never pull up to the window to get my coffee and say, now, now brother, sister, before I can receive this coffee from you, I first need to find out whether you're living a pure life before the Lord. Well, that, that would be silly. That would be ridiculous. We know, we understand that when we're out in the world. You go grocery shopping, you check out, get a coffee and drive through, get dinner and drive through, whatever it is. We know that out there in the world, we're interacting with people not living right all the time. And that's why we're to be a light, we're to be a witness, we're to point people to Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And so Paul writes practically, says, when I say not to associate with certain people, I'm not talking about in the world because we'd have to leave the world. Verse 11, but now I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself what? A brother, a believer, a sister. You know, somebody that, that has Jesus on their forehead. Somebody that's got all the Christian bumper stickers on their car. They got the fish on their car. But you know, I know, the Lord knows, the devil knows, they're not really living the Christian life. And they, they behave like a worldly person. They, they live like a worldly person, but then they, they cloak it all in spirituality or Christianese. And even though they're doing wrong, lying, cheating, stealing, immoral, whatever it is, they talk about how much they love the Lord. Well, judgment is coming. And the day of judgment is coming. So Paul writes, I'm writing you, you must not associate with anyone. Say, say anyone. But Austin, you don't understand, they're my friend. It's my special friend. And this is how people get messed up. Paul wrote elsewhere that bad company corrupts good character. How do people get messed up? Through wrong friends and wrong relationships. It's how doors get open. It's how people get led into things they shouldn't be involved with. I'm writing that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral, or greedy, an idolater, or a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. Now let, let's say that last part all together. Say, say it, say, with such a man. Say, with such a woman, do not even eat. You, you mean, Austin, if I know there's a brother or sister in Christ not doing right, I'm not even to go eat at Chili's with them? Yes, because that's what the Apostle Paul said. It's what the New Testament says. We're to walk in love. We're to be kind and gracious, but we are not to condone people's wrongdoing. Remember, I was a student at TCU, maybe a sophomore or junior, a friend of mine from high school, grew up in church, went to Christian school. But uh, in his high school years, he was already not doing right. And part of the problem was his father, you know, winked at wrongdoing that it's part of being a guy, it's part of growing up, and all of that nonsense. And so at that point, this young man, he was working for his father, he didn't continue his education, wasn't in college, he was married at that point, but again, because of his father winking at wrongdoing, he wasn't living faithfully to his wife, and I, I didn't know some of that, and so he happened to be in town, and he, he wanted to have lunch in Fort Worth, and so I met him for lunch, but in the, the context of the, in the course of the conversation, it became evident to me that even though he was married, he was not actually living like a married man. And in the course of the conversation, it became apparent. He, when he traveled, working, doing this particular industry for his father, that was his past to just behave however he wanted when he was not with his wife. And in the course of the conversation, it became evident that, you know, he was in town and away from her, and he was going to have a good old time. Well, I'm not his friend on Facebook. See, he knows where to find me. I'm at Faith Christian Center every Sunday morning. If he wants to talk to me, he can come to church. 
wants to have a conversation with me, he can come to church, he can talk to me in the fellowship atrium after the service. But am I going to eat with him? No, because the apostle Paul said, with such a man do not even eat. That was our last supper together, literally, until he does what's right, until he lives for the Lord, until he lives in a way that is pleasing to God. So no, I'm not even his friend on Facebook. And it grieves me, it, it saddens me, but he grew up in church. He grew up hearing the word of God. He knows what's right. So it's a choice. It is a decision to live for God or to do your own thing. And the apostle Paul said, with such a man do not even eat. Now you might say, well, Austin, I'm not an idolater or an adulterer or a murderer. So I'm good. I know that makes us all feel better. Amen. But there's more on this list. And Paul lists people we are to shun, we are to avoid. He says, with such a man do not even eat. The immoral, the greedy, idolaters, slanderers, drunkards, and swindlers. So no, you're not, you're not going to see pictures of me online hanging out with the Hollywood celebrity at, at Billy Bob's dancing or throwing down shots with a Hollywood celebrity, because that is not how we are to behave or conduct ourselves as the people of God. And Paul says, with such a person, do not even eat. Number two, swindlers will not go to heaven. Even so-called, quote-unquote, Christian swindlers. Swindlers, those that rob and cheat and steal and take advantage of each other. Swindlers will not go to heaven. Even so-called, quote-unquote, Christian swindlers. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, do you not know the wicked will not say not, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And, and verse 11 is so key, and I would encourage you in your Bible to underline it, highlight it, and that is what some of you were. See, there, there's the message out there today that Christianity and living for Christ means that you're saved, you're going to heaven, but you can live however you want. That's a lie. And that is not biblical Christianity. That is not New Testament Christianity. That is not what Jesus said when he, he, he talked about the fact that when we live for him and follow him, we are to deny ourselves. Say deny. Deny ourselves of what? Well, Part of that is the past, the way we lived before we came to Christ. And Paul says, that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So someone might have been a thief before they were saved, but now that they're in Christ, they should no longer be a thief. Or they're in Corinth, which was a center of immorality. Somebody may have lived an immoral life before coming to Christ, but Paul says that is what you were. But now in Christ, well, we're not to live that way anymore. We're not to do those things anymore. So who will not go to heaven? The sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, homosexual offenders, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, slanderers, and swindlers. What's a swindler? Somebody who lies and cheats and steals and they, they take advantage of others. And remember, Paul is writing to believers. Verse 9, do you not know the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? So if you'd say, oh, Austin, I'm, I'm really concerned. Say, Austin, I'm on that list. Well, you need to get saved. And if you were to say, well, Austin, I believe I'm a Christian, but something in my life is on that list. You need to repent, which means to turn to turn from that way of living, you need to repent and you need to stop sinning. And in Christ, we can have the victory over sin. In Christ, with the help and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you can have the victory over that, whatever it is. Maybe not last Christmas, but the Christmas before, one of the Christmas cards that Jessica and I received, there was a testimony from a young man in the church. And his, his testimony was that he had been bound by pornography and everything that went with it and he had an addiction and he had struggled and struggled and tried to stop and there in his testimony shared how there was Sunday morning where led by the Holy Spirit I laid hands on people for them to be set free by the power of God 
And even though he had tried and tried and tried to quit, that Sunday morning he was set free. And that addiction was broken in his life. You, you, if you want to be set free, God will set you free. And if you ask the Holy Spirit for help, he will give you help. But part of it is the want to. Part of it is the willingness. Part of it is the taking of action. Because you can't live a life of victory and hang out with and fellowship with and have lunch with and have dinner with people not doing right. You can't live a life of victory if when you get on social media, you're inundated with pictures of people not doing right. Amen. This part of living a life of victory. You know, pastor mentioned at, at 9 a.m. that, you know, of course, amongst Christian people, we would rather do business amongst Christian people. And the, the example he gave was getting his hair cut. He'd rather have a righteous person cut his hair so he doesn't have some unrighteous person touching his head. We all understand that. Jessica was so grieved recently because, you know, she follows some younger people our age to try and stay up to date. That's overrated, amen. But she was so grieved recently when a young minister my age, with a wife, with children, he was posting on his Instagram about how he was getting his hair at a certain place, his hair cut at a certain place, which is basically the hooters of haircuts. You know, no Christian married man has any business being there. I don't care what the special is. I remember years ago, this is why we don't do certain things anymore. It was a church picnic. And so I was a young man, probably high school maybe, church picnic. And, you know, was there greeting, talking to people. And an older family got there, and the, the husband got out what he had brought to the church picnic. And he had all these wings from Hooters. And, you know, I'm a nice guy. You know, I'm like half Pastor Gene, half Pastor Seuss. I'm like middle of the road, Amen. And so he got all this out, and I, you know, I was doing my best, you know, Pastor Sue, we love everybody smile, amen. But I think he knew that I was, you know, thinking something about what he had brought to the picnic. And so this, this older man tried to justify it. Well, it's not about any of the other. The wings are really good. Now, I'm not stupid, and I was not born yesterday. And there's only one reason men like to go there, and it's not because of the wings. <laughs> this, this could be somebody's word from the Lord today. You mean I got to go to the boring old-fashioned place? Yes. Got to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow the Lord. But there's a, in Christ, there, there's a higher standard, not just for ministers. There's a higher standard for everyone who's in Christ. And so a Christian man, whether he's a minister or not, has no business at certain places, doing certain things, hanging out with certain people who are engaged in wrongdoing. Well, there's an even higher standard for ministers. And of course, when my wife saw that post of this young minister my age, she just know it's trouble, it's trouble, it's trouble. And whether it's not trouble today, it's trouble tomorrow or trouble next week. Number three, you can't be a swindler and walk in love. These are the last days, and we all have to live ready to meet the Lord. So you got to walk in love. Got to walk in love with your family. Got to walk in love with your brothers and sisters in Christ and not use people, not take advantage of people, not try and get something from someone. It's not right. It's not godly. In Matthew 22, Jesus was asked, which is the greatest commandment? Matthew 22, beginning in verse 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, all the law and prophets hang on these two commands. And you remember in Luke's gospel, when Jesus was asked about this, someone there that day said, well, Lord, who is my neighbor? Wanting to justify himself, he said, well, Lord, who is my neighbor? And that's the attitude of, well, I'm going to treat these people right, but it's okay if I do these people wrong. I'm going to treat these people right for whatever reason. They're like me. They look like me. They're of the same group. But I'm gonna, it's okay if I treat these people over here wrong and lie to them and cheat them and take advantage of them. Again, 
That goes on in the world, but that's not how we're to live as the people of God. This is the first and greatest commandment. Verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The second, verse 39, love your neighbor as yourself. Now next Sunday morning, we'll deal more with walking love. Number four, the covenant man. The covenant man or the covenant woman, the faith man or the faith woman, they're a blessing with, to everyone they do business with. Number four, the covenant man. The faith man is a blessing to everyone he does business with. The covenant woman, the faith woman, is a blessing to everyone she does business with. If you have to lie and cheat and steal to make a living, you're not walking by faith. Mighty men of God don't lie, cheat, and steal to get ahead. And here's the principle. Look at Genesis 12, beginning in verse 2. We see the covenant God made with Abraham. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So say it, say a blessing. And that's why all the time we say we're blessed to be a blessing. And you don't walk in the blessing of God by taking advantage of others, by lying or cheating or stealing from others. You don't walk in the blessing of God by not paying what is owed, what is due, what is due. And that's whether it's to TXU or AT&T or the mortgage company or the apartment company, whoever it is. As Christian people, we ought to be people of our word. We ought to keep our word. We ought to pay what is due. We ought to be on time. And again, there are, there are times in life where you might get behind. Be honest. Let someone know that you're late, you're behind, but you will pay what is due because you are a godly man or you're a godly woman. Don't, don't lie and say the check's in the mail when the check's not in the mail. Now, I don't want to show hands because none of us like talking about this. We're, we're faith people. We're, we're positive people. But, but it's a terrible thing for someone to tell you the money's on the way when it ain't on the way. It, it's a terrible thing for someone to say, well, you know, I made the payment. You look how low. You don't see it. Well, well, it must be Bank of America. Or it must be Chase or whatever their, their excuse is. As Christian people, as followers of Christ, we are to be people of integrity. And things happen. Things come up. There are unexpected expenses, but if there's a delay, you ought to be honest. You ought not lie. How can God bless wrongdoing? How can God bless lying? How can God bless being dishonest? How can God bless us if we do not pay what is due or pay what is owed? You go to the book of James. James talks about how the voices of the workers cried out against the rich who had not paid them for the work that had been done. We ought to do right by others. We ought to be a blessing. And that's what God told Abraham. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. Say, it, say I'm, blessed I'm blessed to be a blessing. And we ought not be looking for ways to do people wrong or to get ahead by squeezing somebody. We ought to be looking for ways to be a blessing. You know, a month or two ago, a few months ago, Jessica and I, because again, five kids and whatnot, there's a lot that has to go on at the house. And so there's a lady that comes twice a month to help Jessica with the house and picking things up and doing all that. Because I, I know Austin's not going to make it happen. Amen. So you tell him to clean up the game room and it is a mess crazy like one hour later. So a lady comes twice a month to clean to help Jessica. Well, you're not going to see us in the news because we're doing something nefarious. We, we pay her legitimately. It's on our tax return, which means it costs us more money to do it legitimately the right way. Everybody's like, I don't know what he's talking about. Come on now. We pay her on the books, legitimately, officially. Government knows about all of it. All of it's on the up and up. We raised her about a year and a half ago. But we're, we're mindful of everything going on in our country and gas costs more and, and food costs more. We're not, we're not going to wait for her to say something to us or to ask us about an increase. Well, we decided we're going to increase you. And it was a good increase because we're mindful of her and we're mindful of her children. See, that, that's who we ought to be as Christian people because we're blessed to be a... And my father's telling me all the time, Austin, the Lord will make it up to us. But see, that, that requires that you're a faith man 
or a faith woman, that requires that you look to God as your source and as your supply. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You know, it's a terrible thing to be done wrong. It's a terrible thing to be done wrong. And I don't have time for stories this morning. But the Lord told Abraham, when people curse you, they will be cursed. So we ought to pray for them. We ought to grieve for them. And that's why we're always saying, put it in the hands of God. Let the Lord fight the battle. Let the Lord make it up to you. If a thief be found out, he must repay sevenfold. So anytime Jessica and I find out, well, someone didn't do right by us or we got to get something taken care of where they didn't do what was right, well, we don't try and exact revenge on social media. My father tells me, you cannot squeeze blood from a turnip. We put it in the hands of God. We go to God in faith and we say, thank you, Lord. You're going to make it up to us and sevenfold. The covenant man, the faith man is a blessing to everyone he does business with. Let's look at two examples. The first is Abraham. Turn to Genesis chapter 23. In Genesis 23, when his wife Sarah died, Abraham negotiated for a burial plot. Genesis 23, beginning in verse 1. Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to mourn, Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. Then Abraham rose from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hittites. He said, I am an alien or foreigner, a stranger among you. Sell me some property for a burial site here so I can bury my dead. Not, not give me some property. Sell me some property. So Abraham wasn't a moocher. He wasn't looking to get ahead by taking advantage of others. He wasn't looking to get ahead by receiving something for free from others. And when I was at TCU, before I chose religion and English as my majors, I first did business, I realized pretty quick that wasn't for me. And I, I just didn't fit in over there at the business school. But I did make it through the first class on economics, and the very first day, first lesson, there is no such thing as a free lunch. Lesson numero uno, there is no such thing as a free lunch. Now I have a question. Is a free lunch worth having? Now you're leaving church today with your family, driving down the highway, see a sign, free food. Is it the best of the land? Probably not. And see, to walk in the blessing of Abraham, you got to give up that wanting something for nothing mentality. Back during the shutdown, lockdowns last year, some of the public schools were providing meals. So even though kids were at home, the schools were still providing meals to where people could come up and pick up meals for their children. And all of that is paid for, of course, by our tax dollars. All right. So Jessica saw a post on Facebook. Someone used to come to church. A mom complaining that she was disappointed in the quality of those lunches. It's a free lunch. And it's not from Papados. It's a free lunch from where? a school down the road. Is it going to be the best of the land? It is what it is. But see, that, that mentality is not the mentality of Abraham. I am blessed to be a blessing. And wherever I go, I'm going to be a blessing. And he didn't want the property for free. He wasn't looking for a free lunch or something for nothing. He said, sell me some property. Verse 5, the Hittites replied to Abraham, Sir, listen to us. You're a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will refuse you his tomb for burying your dead. Then Abraham rose and bowed down before the people of the land, the Hittites. He said to them, If you're willing to let me bury my dead, then listen to me and intercede with Ephron, son of Zohar, on my behalf. So he will sell me the cave of Machpelah, which belongs to him and is at the end of his field. Ask him to sell it to me for the full price. Say the full price. And I would underline that. I would highlight that. Now, there, there's nothing wrong with getting a deal. There's nothing wrong with getting a discount. You know, I'm amazed when I go with my wife and she's buying this or that and she's got the email on her phone and she makes sure and, you know, she's double checking all of that. Praise the Lord for a 
Proverbs 31 woman. Amen. Amen. Now you can get carried over and go too far that way. Amen. But we ought to be good stewards of what God has blessed us with. I let my hair down a few Sunday mornings ago and said this is why I don't go to the store because it's always more expensive if I go than if Jessica goes. Doesn't matter whether it's Kroger's, Target, Sam's. It's going to be more expensive if I go because I'm going to see all these things and then I, I see the specials which Jessica explains to me. You know, you're, you think you're getting two for one or four for one. It's not the deal you think you're getting. So we're to be good stewards, amen. We're not to let people take advantage of us, but we're also not to be looking to take advantage of others. And he said, ask him to sell it to me for the full price as a burial site among you. So he didn't say, give me the Christian discount. You know, there's a place down the road. You know, if you go to stay in business, you got to innovate. You got to redo the bathrooms occasionally. And they haven't ever. The bathrooms are still the way they were in the 80s, and it shows. And they, they used to have a deal for families. Come on Sunday, bring your bulletin, kids eat free. Or Wednesday, whenever it was. And it, it's okay, but it ain't great. So part of walking in the best of the land, eating the best, driving the best, wearing the best, is giving up some of those mentalities of wanting free, of wanting a deal, of wanting something for nothing, sell it to me for the full price. So not give me the Christian discount, the full price. Verse 10, Ephron the Hittite was sitting among his people and he replied to Abraham in the hearing of all the Hittites who had come to the gate of his city, no, my Lord, he said, listen, I give you the fill, I give you the cave, I give it to you in the presence of my people to bury your dead. So this man was offering to give it to Abraham. But Abraham, because he was a covenant man, a Jehovah Jireh man, an El Shaddai man, Abraham insisted on buying it for the full price. Again, Abraham bowed down before the people of the land and he said to Ephron, they're hearing, listen, if you will, I will pay the price of the field. Accept it from me so I can bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, listen to me, my Lord, the land is worth 400 shekels of silver, but what is that between me and you? Bury your dead. Abraham agreed to Ephron's terms, weighed out for him the price he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels of silver according to the weight current among the merchants. So Ephron's field in Machpelah near Mamre, both the field and the cave in it and all the trees within the borders of the field were deeded to Abraham as his property in the presence of all the Hittites who had come to the gate of the city. Afterward, Abraham buried his wife Sarah in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre, which is at Hebron in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave in it were deeded to Abraham by the Hittites as a burial site. So Abraham, the father of our faith, the great man of God, he was not looking for a handout. He was not looking for a free lunch. He was not looking for something for nothing. He wanted to buy it. He wanted to pay its value, its worth. He wanted to, in fact, pay the full price. Now, now I realize when you buy a house or you buy a car, you know, you want to get the best price you can get. And now with the internet, you compare prices, you inquire with this business and that business to get a deal. But the flip side of that is everybody is entitled to a profit. Everybody ought to have a profit, a reasonable profit, amen. So we ought not be looking to take advantage of other people. You know, I, I, I like cars. That's why I don't go to car dealerships, don't go car shopping. If you invited me, I would say, get behind me, Satan. The way you don't spend money is you don't go. And Jessica took me shopping this past week, and she, she was reminded why it's not a good idea to take me shopping, because it's more if I go. Leave him at home. You know, when last time I got a car, I, I told the dealership, this is what I want. You know, what's the price going to be? They let us know. Okay. And I, you know, I like cars, I know. I, I know some people to check with to verify that the, the price on the trade's reasonable, the price on the new car is, is reasonable. And you understand some dealers will give you more or less on the trade, but they make it up on the, this car they're selling you. So, but ever, we're, we're not trying to take advantage of people, get something for nothing. But on the flip side, you gotta have the right mentality. I remember once I was with my father and he wanted a pickup truck, and we, we stopped at a, 
pickup truck dealer over off A20, and the salesman's approach was totally wrong. The, the, the truck was what my father wanted, it was the color, but his pitch was basically, you need to buy this truck if, if my children are going to eat. Well, that, that's not the right approach to take. You're gonna send people for the doors. So there's balance. We're covenant men, faith men, we ought to pay what is owed. It's all right to get a good price, amen, and not be taken advantage of. But on the flip side, we want the person that's selling us something, serving us something, we want them to be blessed in the transaction. We are blessed to be a blessing. After doing some shopping Friday, Jessica and I had lunch, and the, the waitress was so kind and could tell she liked children. She entertained Emily the whole time. Jessica and I had one of the best lunches we've ever had. This waitress, she was making eyes at Emily, and Emily was happy. So we were able to talk to each other. Jessica and I were able to talk to each other. How nice. <laughs> so I, I tipped that waitress extra generously. We are blessed to be a blessing. Our last neighborhood. We were blessed. My parents blessed us with the home. And in that neighborhood, after a few years, there was a man. He owned a construction business. He, he built just a phenomenal, phenomenal home. He overdid it a little bit for that neighborhood. A few years went by. There was the downturn in 2007, 8, 9. And because of things slowed down, his business slowed down in concrete and construction, he needed to sell that house. And of course, he had overdone it in that neighborhood, and so he had a hard time selling that house. And it was listed, the price dropped, the house was relisted, it happened multiple times. It had been on the market, been on the market, and they had walked that price down, walked that price down. So somebody was gonna get a deal. Well, later, there was a pastor that actually bought that house. And it always seemed odd to Jessica and I because that, that pastor of the church didn't have a building. They met in rented space. And it seemed, again, we were raised by my parents to be people of integrity. And so it seemed to us odd, such a fabulous house, but the church in rented space. You read the Bible, when David became king, he was grieved over the fact that the, the Holy of Holies, the, the Ark of the Covenant, it was in a tent still. He wanted to build a house for God. Of course, Solomon did that. Well, later I heard the story. And this is not how we should conduct ourselves as Christian people. So that house had been marked down, marked down. His pastor made an offer on it. The family agreed to it. They had no choice. But at closing, a pastor showed up. And he said that he wasn't going to close, he wasn't going to buy the house unless they took off another $100,000. Now, if we hear things like that in the world, worldly people, we think, that's the world. But we ought not conduct ourselves that way as the people of God. A normal, regular Christian businessman ought not conduct himself that way. Certainly, someone in leadership should not conduct themselves that way. Again, we don't want to get taken advantage of. We want a good price. Amen? But on the other hand, the person doing the service, they ought to make a living. They ought to make a fair wage. They ought to be compensated for their work. And so we ought to pay what's owed. We ought not take advantage of people. We ought not do someone wrong. And it's all about sowing and reaping. Do you want a good harvest or a bad harvest? I want a good harvest. You want your children to have a good harvest or a bad harvest. Second example, David. Provoked by Satan, David broke a commandment of God and ordered a census to be taken of Israel's fighting men. The result, judgment came upon Israel and 70,000 men died. And the angel of death marched through the land for three days. First Chronicles 21 and verse 1 says Satan rose up against Israel and incited. You might say inspired. He incited. He provoked David to take a census of Israel. So Satan instigated that, not the Lord. Verse 7, this command was also evil in the sight of God, so he punished Israel. Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by doing this. Now I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I've done a very foolish thing. Verse 14, so the Lord sent a plague on Israel and 70,000 men of Israel fell dead. And God sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem. But as the angel was doing so, the Lord saw it and was grieved because of the calamity and said to the angel who was destroying the people, enough, withdraw your hand. 
The angel of the Lord was then standing at the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. David looked up and saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with the drawn sword and his hand extended over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders clothed in sackcloth fell face down. David said to God, was it not I who ordered the fighting men to be counted? I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. So he was the opposite of King Saul. He was at least willing to take responsibility. I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done, O Lord my God? Let your hand fall upon me and my family, but do not let this plague remain on your people. And then the prophet Gad gave David God's answer. Verse 18, the angel of the Lord ordered Gad to tell David to go up to build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. The prophet Gad was saying to David to stop the curse, give an offering. To stop this curse, present a sacrifice. Now, a lot of times we bring most of our own trouble upon ourselves. And it's often because we neglect to take action on the word of God. Or in fact, we have disobeyed some part of God's word. And then the curse comes. The curse comes because the door gets open. And your average believer doesn't know how to stop the curse. And so David offered an offering, a sacrifice to stop the plague. But that place for the sacrifice was owned by another man. Verse 19, so David went in obedience to the word Gad had spoken in the name of the Lord. While Aruna was threshing wheat, he turned and saw the angel. His four sons who were with him hid themselves. Then David approached, and when Aruna looked and saw him, he left the threshing floor and bowed down before David with his face to the ground. And David said, let me have the side of your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord so that the plague on the people may be stopped. Sell it to me at the full price. Say, the full price. So again, like Abraham, he was not looking for a deal. Verse 23, Aruna said to David, take it. Let my Lord the king do whatever pleases him. Look, I will give the oxen for the burnt offerings, the threshing sledges for the wood and the wheat for the grain offering. I'll give all of it. So he, Aruna, who was not an Israelite, he was saying, I'll give it all to you. The land, everything you need for the offering, for the sacrifice. But David said, no, verse 24, no, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. See, that's a faith man. That's a covenant man. So David paid Aruna 600 shekels of gold for the site. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. He called on the Lord and the Lord answered him with fire from heaven on the altar of burnt offering sell it to me at the full price. So David, like Abraham, David did not ask for the Christian discount. David could have received the land for free and, every, and everything for the offering for free, but he insisted on paying the full price. The non-covenant man thinks he has to lie or cheat or steal to keep up with his brothers, to live the fat life, to be respected by others, but the covenant man of God sees God as his source and supply, and he seeks God's approval over man's. And if it costs him something, if he temporarily goes backwards in faith, he says, the Lord will make it up to me. The Lord will repay. The Lord will go to work on my behalf. The Lord will make it up to me. I will be repaid sevenfold. Just got to decide. You're going to do things God's way, or you're going to do things the world's way. Now listen, don't be a swindler, but the flip side is don't be swindled. You know, growing up, I would hear my father say things like, we go out into the world to make money, and then we bring our tithe to the house of God. We don't come to church to make money. We don't come to church to make money off of each other. If you want to weird, weird me out, wig me out, Send me running away from you as fast as possible. Just give me the impression you're trying to sell me something. Or you got a multi-level you're working on. Or you're trying to sell Jessica something. That's not how we should conduct ourselves as the people of God. I don't, I'm 39. I don't know a single person besides the people at the top who have been made wealthy by pyramid schemes. 39? I've never once met anyone who became blessed doing multi-levels. 
Those are get-rich-quick schemes for people who are not willing to work the plan of God, which is what? To go to work, to provide for your family, to be faithful, to be consistent, to tithe, to give, to save money, to invest money, to be a good steward, to grow it over time. And that no, that does not happen overnight. No, it's not exciting. But it is God's way. It is the right way. It is little by little. And if you do it the other way, as Paul said to Timothy, you're going to pierce yourself with many griefs. So don't take advantage of others, but don't let yourself be taken advantage of. You know, in the world, there's a saying, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it is a duck. And Jesus said, we're to evaluate a tree by its fruit. A good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. You know, growing up, my father, my parents taught Christine and I to use our eyeballs to think. Many years ago now, there was a young minister friend that put great pressure on Aaron and I to check another ministry out. So we had gone, we had been a few times, but the last time we went, and it was the last, we were there in service during worship, saw a lady walk in, and we had gotten there late, so we were seated a little further back. A lady walked in. Well, I recognized the guy that she walked in with. He had been a famous minister, but had been disgraced for being committing adultery not once or twice, but multitudinous times. The last time I, in fact, saw him, he was, I guess, making his way through the Metroplex, and like the president's son, he had become a painter. And he was going, I guess, to churches and pastors trying to sell paintings. And he stopped by... I-30, our location, I-30, and he tried to sell my dad a painting. Uh, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, we're not art connoisseurs by the president's son or former ministers. So I, they, they came in. They were seated in front of us, and needless to say, you know, my father taught me to watch and pray or keep your eyes open while you worship the Lord. And so during worship, I saw that they, they were not worshiping the Lord. These, these two were handsy, weird. But then they had this lady get up to give an award to the minister of that church. Weird. Then they let this lady pitch her multi-level scheme to the entire church. And I was so, so grieved. Go to my website, fill this out, and I'll give you access to all these free resources. Well, I... I got out my phone and I, I Googled her name. Well, this was her scheme, her scam. They get people's information and then they would begin the hard sell. Well, we gave you some of the good stuff, but if you want the, the, the good information, you know, that's $5,000 or that's $10,000. And if you want the, the ultimate package, then it's, that's $30,000. And then, I, then not only will I give you access to everything, but I'll, I'll, I'll help you and I'll, I'll call you and I'll FaceTime you and all of that. But it just took 30 seconds of Googling to find out this lady was a fraud. And she had wrecked and ruined the lives of many. And because she was disgraced in the world, she was pushing her scam in where? Church. So don't be a swindler, but also don't let people swindle you. And when Jessica needs to get something, she goes to the store. She doesn't look for someone on Facebook to buy something from. And I know, I could be unpopular today after this. But we go into the world to make money. We bring our tithes and offerings to the house of God, but we ought not be looking for ways to make money off our brothers and sisters in Christ. We ought to conduct ourselves at a higher standard than the world. And we understand that there are things that go on in the world, but they ought not go on in the house of God. Number five, if you have cheated someone, do what Zacchaeus did so you can get into heaven. If you have cheated someone, do what Zacchaeus did. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. But he was a short man, so he had climbed a tree to see Jesus. Luke 19, beginning in verse 6. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. They said, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, 
and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Say, say four times. So Zacchaeus met the Lord. And how do we know he met the Lord? How do we know Zacchaeus was a changed man? Well, he had been a cheat. He had been a thief. But he, as Paul said, he was a thief no more. Paul said that is what some of you were. He said to Jesus, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. How do we know that Zacchaeus' life was truly changed by his having met Jesus? We know by his actions. We know by what he did. He said, Lord, I'm going to pay back. He said, if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And again, most of what he had was from doing people wrong. He said, I will give half of my possessions to the poor. So if you have wronged someone, it's time to make it right. If you have cheated someone, it's time to make it right. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.